Hello, and welcome to The Right Idea, where we discuss the people, policy, and politics that drive Texas. I'm your host, Brian Phillips, the Chief Communications Officer at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, and with me, as always, is our Vice President of Policy, Derek Cohen. How are things going? We are getting to the end of the session. How are you feeling? The end is in sight. I just need to uh, put a finer point on a couple things, and then we can get ready for all the, uh, well, dare we say... Well, we will get into all of that, of course, uh, throughout the show. I um, always like to start off with something a little bit fun, a little bit light. Um, at the beginning of the show, we had the uh, what some people are calling the DeSantis disaster. Uh, the announcement this week, of course, that uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is in the race. And again, that's not that's not any editorializing from me. I really like the guy. Um, uh, but, you know, from a communications perspective, it probably wasn't the best announcement, um, uh, um, presidential announcement uh, that, that that's ever been so interesting to see the reaction on that did you watch it at all did you see it uh i i logged in at first then i had a meeting when they finally got it up and running mm-hmm. um so i wasn't able to watch it but i'm logged in i looked at the other people logged in i saw rudy giuliani was logged in. i'm like hmm but uh, all that all that to say all that to say is yeah technical difficulties notwithstanding i know that governor DeSantis is a lot of folks is uh uh, number one guy on, mm-hmm. on this particular race. And, you know, obviously we don't want to get into a point where we start talking about the the pre, you know, the presupposition that we're going to have, you know, a, a two person fight between Trump and DeSantis. That's kind of the, the, the rank punditry side that mm-hmm. everyone's kind of running with. And you know what? I could easily see a scenario, even with the field as it is and the field that's growing, where, you know, whatever, whoever the Republican nominee is, is neither of those two. Right. Well, you know, the good news is, is that um, people are only talking about this because this is the only thing to talk about. Right. I mean, we have several lifetimes between now and Iowa in the presidential race. And so everyone's kind of bagging on him right now. No one will remember this next week. I mean, he'll have his first event and then everyone will talk about, you know, how many people showed up and what are the audience sizes like? And, you know, what did he say? And how does that contrast with Trump? So everybody will forget uh, the technical difficulties of of announcing on Twitter. And, uh, you know. All the, uh, all the uh, bloggers can do, and they can do the thing where they zoom out all the way and make it look like something's unattended, you know? Not, yeah, right. Not that we see that around here, but, you know. <laughs> There's a little sub- subtweet for our for our fans no. out there. You know, I was on the cruise campaign when we uh, when we launched, and we were the first ones ever to do it on Twitter, and we were 20 minutes late, mm-hmm. and, did, you know, the tweet didn't go through, or, the <laughs> you know, whatever it was, the video that we had posted, and, of course, it was like, you know, mass chaos back at headquarters. Mm-hmm. Nobody remembered that. Nobody cared, you know, uh, the week later. So, anyway, uh, so congratulations to DeSantis for getting in. Also, Tim Scott, also another great conservative, mm-hmm. uh, got into the race this week. He, too, had technical difficulties during his speech. Uh, the mics were going out. So, <laughs> One thing I could say about uh, about Scott's announcement is I just wish the guy had a little more energy. Put, put a little more energy. Yeah, no, yeah. no, he, that was... That that the, the revival style I thought was uh, yeah. was a nice touch, but I can't yeah. wait for the debates. I mean, yeah. you know, I've heard that Trump's not going to be part of the debates. I think, which is a real mistake, or or at least you know, for the country, it's mm-hmm. not good to have you know one of the front runners up there. I can't act, I can't wait to see Tim Scott on the debate stage uh, talking about the issues that matter. That's always been kind of a mm-hmm. hallmark of his. Is he really cares about the issues and the policies, yeah. and and you know, and and it really gets into the. He's a real workhorse, really. Yeah. You know, the show horse versus workhorse. Yeah. He's a show horse in the Senate, and so I'm I'm excited to see what he brings to the race yeah i've and we've interacted in years past with with both him in the office sure. and it's criminal justice reform big one ab- well Scott. absolutely and that that ex- exceptionally he is there there's no it's not when you go to the office it's not, he's not like oh, i'll pawn you off on the ld he's like no i want you to walk me through this and i was mm-hmm. 
you know, you're you're just taken aback by how hands-on he is on that approach. And again, not to this is an endorsement or anything. I'm just uh, cr- crediting the guy for having a a very very uh, thoughtful uh, approach to policy. So if we're not technically in the presidential season, it is certainly upon us. Uh, at least in the next are you going to announce few months or so? No, I think I think uh, there will be p- plenty of announcements to come. I'll be interested right. to see who else uh, gets in it, but I will not be one of them. I've uh, got but if plenty, you do, plenty just going let, on at home. Let me know so I can start pulling the oppo together. Yeah, get, exactly. bundled into a nice little dossier. <laughs> That's yeah. All the oppo you need is in my Twitter feed, uh, which you can find Facts. me at real beefill at uh, at Twitter. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's get back to our show. Let's get back to Texas because there is a lot to talk about. This is the last week. Uh, top topics for this week are uh, talk about a little new polling. Of course, the new polling will show that it's the same as the old polling. Um, the Dems want to keep sexually explicit materials in schools. They all voted for it this week, so we'll talk about how, how that might play out. Um, should non-citizens be able to vote in Texas? There was a big vote on uh, a constitutional amendment uh, to prevent non-citizens from voting in Texas. Uh, there's a bit debate over armed guards and schools. I know school safety is another one of those issues that's kind of coming to a head here at the end of the session. Um, and then is it finally time to say the S word, which we're not allowed to say or else it will come into being. Saskatchewan? But, yeah, that's the one. That's yeah. the one. So we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about that at the end. What is the, the mysterious S word? But first, mm-hmm. let's get your general thoughts, your Ledgeland ledge update on session mm-hmm. and coming to the end. Five days away as, as we sit here from signy die. Uh, and how do you see things? Well, I think it's the, the, one of the most categorical, categorical observations I can make is that everything is dead except the stuff that's not. Okay, so, well, that makes sense. All, all right. right, so we don't that was, that was actually true on the first day of <laughs> session. <laughs> also very true. So here we are. No, no, I, I think all joking aside, all joking aside, we do see a lot of good legislation already on the governor's desk, already signed by the governor, or seemingly uh, a step or two away from that with, with the time that we, that we still have. And I think that, you know, we've mentioned this prior. I think conservatives generally, we're not necessarily that great on celebrating victories all the time mm. or celebrating good incremental improvement. We're, we're, we're the incremental list, but we don't celebrate incremental improvement. What, what about a circular firing squad doesn't mm. just scream celebration to you? <laughs> exactly. And, and But the funny thing is, and you see that is people's perspective, the way they, they talk about a lot of that's been going on in session. And don't get me wrong, there has been a lot in this session that no matter what your stripe is, that you can be frustrated about there's mm-hmm. there's absolutely many missed opportunities where we're talking about you know kind of the the tenuous position that property taxes are in right now even though I th- i'm 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 hopeful that that'll get done uh school uh school choice parental empowerment uh not getting the uh the shrift it deserves uh border security we can do a whole thing on border security mm-hmm. you know these are things that left a lot of um a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor but that would we'd be remiss not to talk about the stuff that actually got across the goal line, and that's things that are as consequential and sweeping as SB fourteen, the gender modification bill. Mm-hmm. Things you already mentioned about um, uh, that you mentioned about uh, seeing that uh, content quality and standards in school, the Death Star. We've talked about it millions of times. These are yeah. all things that have, mm-hmm. have gone along. But we the also, ESG bill. I mean, that was a big one, though. Keeping the ESG out of insurance. That was a huge one. Yeah. And and again, credit to uh, credit to I believe it was Representative Isaac again. You know, the comment friend mm-hmm. friend of the show, common yeah. name you've heard. Um, but just yeah, like just definitely outperforming expectations for a freshman. All this is happening, and then even the stuff that doesn't necessarily you know get any much fanfare if any at all. 
you know, look at some of the stuff that uh, Andrew Brown had been working on in the foster care realm. Mm -hmm. You know, ending hidden foster care, basically allowing bureaucrats to come into your house and break up your family on the threat that if they don't, they will come yeah. into your house and break I up said, your family. Nice, nice family you have here. It'd be yeah. a shame if something happened to it. And so putting putting guardrails on that practice, mm -hmm. eliminating that, well, not eliminating, but putting some serious guardrails on that, you know, a, a CPS omnibus reform, you know, that we've seen, and just everything that's gone through that's flown under the radar. I know, obviously, we've talked about like, yeah. the healthcare space. We've talked about, you know, mm -hmm. the pricing transparency. Uh, but another thing that hadn't been talked about is the association health plan. So now, you know, professional organizations can now be, you know, can actually create a risk pool of their own mm -hmm. and allow that to actually. Or churches or any absolutely. neighborhood, you know, um, and, and, associations. And all, absolutely. And all those things <laughs> are ways that, as we've discussed, do not put more of the burden of health care on everybody, but allows the burden of health care and the cost of health care mm -hmm. to come down. You know, um, you're making a really good point about the successes we have. And one thing I want to I want to highlight about that, and again, not to be too Pollyannish because there will be, you know, plenty of time to talk about what didn't get done or the things that, you know, got watered down and all of that. Mm -hmm. But just, just to make this point is that a lot of the things that did get across the finish line this time it's not like we invented this or that they just came up at the beginning of this session. A lot of stuff, you know, it's particularly like the association health plans and, and other issues started three or four sessions ago. Mm -hmm. And so there had to be, although they, you know, didn't get to the governor's desk to, you know, in, in 2017, there was progress made on every single one of these issues. That's happening right now. Gets to, this, to that tipping point and then it goes. It, it, absolutely. And that's happening now with some of these issues that, you know, we're pounding our, our, our fist on the table saying, why didn't this get through? And, you know, why are you wasting so much time? And we should be working on these issues, there's progress being made on those issues so that when they come up in, in subsequent yeah. sessions, that they will get done. And I know everybody, you know, wants it to happen today or happen, yeah. you know, yesterday. Um, but but there is progress being made on a number right. of these issues. Literally, I think almost everything that you brought up, including gender mod for for kids, uh, healthcare issues, you know, and, and not uh, everything you just brought up had some level of progress in previous mm -hmm. sessions. And and a lot of those things now, because we've been making the case year after year, are getting huge by bipartisan majorities and they're getting through the, and that's why they're getting through the house and getting through the senate which mm -hmm. frankly is a is a good way to do it that you're not just you know having partisan fights all the time now i will say though there are some things that i i think are really on the bubble and can go either way and i think some of that includes some of the grid stuff mm -hmm. and that's that's probably what i'm most worried about but again you can have you can hold in your mind both concern for a particular uh policy area while still celebrating ones that have made significant advancements or have gotten across the goal line. So this is a good time for some shameless plugs. Of course, I always like to do that for our newsletter. You can find it at texaspolicy.com slash the post. Uh, today's um, article, in fact, uh, uh, we've got some exclusive content in there. I talk about some of the things that might have been under the radar um, that that uh, that did pass the session and are headed to the governor's desk. So again, you can sign up for that at uh, texaspolicy.com slash the post. Also, our wrap-up session, our, we will be featuring we will be featuring Derek and Andrew Brown, two of our, our top uh, legislative experts, mm -hmm. Along with Sherry Sylvester, who was a longtime um, uh, aide for the for the lieutenant governor, who's now with TPPF, and then of course our CEO Greg Sindelar will be there, and they'll be talking about that. That'll be on Wednesday, uh, and you can you can view that online, but you can also of course come if you're in the area. You can come to TPPF and watch that event. I believe it's around noon. It's probably lunchtime, mm -hmm. uh, but you can find out those event uh, the event details. TPPF doing 
its big legislative wrap-up on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, um, uh, around lunchtime. TexasPolicy.com will have those details. Okay, uh, anything else in the session before we dive into top topics? Not not much left to it, but to do it. All right. So the first one I want to highlight is that a new poll came out from the University of Texas, Tyler, and they have a fantastic polling operations. I give pollsters all kinds of guff uh, just because I used to work for one, and so I can see a bad poll. Um, uh, you know, I can smell a bad poll from a mile away. This one is very good, um, and not just because it has a lot of answers that I like, but it, but they're, but in terms of their methodology and how they do the poll is actually very good. Uh, UT Tyler, again, is the poll. Here's some, um, here's some results that came out of it, and I like these kinds of polls right at the end of session because the messaging has been done, the, the debate has been had, the public has paid attention and weighed in, and testimony has been had, and the votes have been had, and so everybody's had a chance to you know to iron out what they believe on these issues. Uh, some of the top ones that we talk about, uh, support for school choice, again, this is the five millionth poll that's come out in, in the last five years showing um, showing a large support for school choice uh, uh, is up 54 to 34, uh, and this is uh, t- Texas registered voters. Uh, support school choice 54 to 34 uh, support and then they even asked a you know very specific question about state funding for private schools which is of course what the left always tries to use to uh, um, to say well you know that's you know that's bad we shouldn't be using public money for private schools turns out Texans disagree 52 to 39 say that that's okay uh, a couple other issues and I get your your uh, your reaction to them disapproval of the Biden border policy I don't think should come in as any shock <laughs> disapproving of Biden's border policy 60 65 to 27. Um, I want to talk to those 27. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's he doing right down there? Um, the uh, the number of Texans who say there are only two genders is at 72%. And I highlight that one because that obviously includes a significant number. About a third of Democrats uh, say that same thing. So mm-hmm. as we've talked about here, the pushing the, the transgender issue, particularly when it comes to minors, has been a complete um, a disaster for the left. Um, and then one that I always think is fun to, to highlight is that um, 61% of Texans never use Twitter. And so for those of, I know a lot of the insiders here are always fighting. Derek and I are always on Twitter. The reality is that the vast majority of, of Texans uh, uh, don't use that medium. So Twitter, again, is not real life. So back to the policy issues, though. <laughs> uh, school choice, uh, border policy, uh, any of those issues stand out as, as things to be <laughs> surprised about? Well, not really. One, you mentioned that the other polling that we've done in that space has basically, you know, in the margin dances around and sometimes a liberal polling outfit actually outkicks our numbers sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we generally see a broad support for school choice, especially um, in areas, you know, rural areas where that is where there's this fiction and that's what it is, it's the fiction that it'll destroy the schools or that nobody needs it and all that. And the people that you see take up that mantle and run with it are usually interested parties or the useful idiots that are used by those uh, interested parties. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I really question how much longer will be tenable. Because you mentioned us being on Twitter. We're above the, you know, the 39 percent, apparently. Right. and that's among people who use uh, social media, by the way. There's still an 11% uh, that don't use social media at all. So actually the number of people in Texas who are not on Twitter is probably closer to like 70%. I bet they're more interesting than people that are actually on Twitter. <laughs> but we see the debates on there, and it's all like, nobody wants this. And it's like, oh, you, you know, and I'm from Muleshoe, Texas or whatever. And then you look up that district and the Republican primary electorate uh, wanted it, you know, went 92% in favor of school choice on right. the ballot question. And you generally see that, again, it's this it's this recitation and microwaving of old, stale, 
takes on this. And there, and again, it's just it's getting to a point where the opponents of school choice are just like fingers in the ears and saying la 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 la. I'm not hearing this. Mm-hmm. And that none of and the debates not the debates moving around them at this point. Right. And I think that we are going to be seeing that. Now you also mentioned. Um, uh, mentioned the stuff on the border policy, and I made it the flippant remark. I'd like to see that twenty seven. Identify for me, please, what it is that he is doing. Mm-hmm. Not 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 doing successfully. Doing just doing it all. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the funny thing is, and I know I mentioned this on this program before, is I had a friend in from Chicago, and she uh, was asking questions about about the border, and she was surprised to learn because we had another person in our party. Uh, who had uh, grown up in El Paso, and he was saying that these Democrat, these border Democrats on this issue, they're hawkish, that are more hawkish than many Republicans elsewhere in the state on this question mm-hmm. because of having that lived experience. People are seeing that, and you know, we, we see this debate like, oh, well, it's racist and all that. Uh, it's getting to a point where if something significant doesn't get done, and I, to be honest with you, I don't think. We're going to see some. We're going to see something. The significance the of that is, is yeah. yet to yet to manifest. We're going to see something. Is that going to be enough? Uh, I, I I don't believe so. And is the public going to feel it? I mean, are they even if we say, oh, we you know created the border protection unit, or oh, we made a you know made it a state felony to uh, you know to cross the border? Is are those policies going to you know once we start executing them, um, are they, are they going to actually see a measurable impact at the border? And I think that's the big question. I don't know how much we can do just from the state level. Um, one of the things I did, just to be fair, you know, there were some there were some results in the poll um, that are things that we wouldn't support or that conservatives wouldn't support. And I want to get your take on that. Mm-hmm. One of them is raise the age. I mean, with mm-hmm. with uh, school safety issues and with the mass shootings that are going mm-hmm. on around the country and, and several big big ones here in, in Texas, you know, you have 66 percent of Texans mm-hmm. who believe that people under the age of 21 should not be able to buy guns or at least buy certain guns. Mm-hmm. Um Patently unconstitutional for a variety yeah, of reasons. Yeah. It, you know, how do we how do we address that issue with the public? Where we say, look, we we, we obviously want public safety, right. but there's this issue of, of constitutional rights, of course, that can't be abridged. How how would you go about doing that? We were just having this conversation uh, the other day, me and uh, one of our colleagues, and essentially we found in one thing that I mean, experience will support this as well. Essentially, there is such a lack. Of education, you know, we, we we talk about Texas being a rural state, and you know, I did not grow up in a I grew up in a very poor blue collar area of Ohio, but I I wasn't exposed at all to to firearms in any way, shape, or form until my professional life when I worked at the Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Garden. Granted, that was before Harambe, before anyone starts rumor mongering or any of that stuff. And that was an elephant gun you had to carry, right? Oh, uh, we didn't. Well, we, no, we didn't carry, but we had to train on and be proficient on that platform. But uh, yeah, that and a uh, 12 gauge slug rifle, uh, slug gun. Um, but that being said, I had no appreciation until I started professionally having to develop into the, into that. And what we see is even in rural for rural republicans a lot of these members i'm not saying all but a lot of them have never fired a, a gun before uh and if you, you remember we we make fun you remember we saw that uh that piece i can't remember what what particular effect online source it was in but it basically the guy saying i fired an ar15 and i was traumatized and yes. irritable for yeah. like a week and it was that was a meme and, for about a week yes exactly <laughs> i'm gonna have to look that up when we're done we can put it in the show notes who knows um but cut, jefferson you can add that to the <laughs> then you can cut away to that <laughs> but but all that to say is if you don't 
have that healthy understanding or respect for it, you just don't think that that ever factors into any part of um, uh, any part of life, let alone the the part of, you know, the part that it guarantees on self-determination. Right. Sure. And so, yeah. and so that's why a lot of people have these questions. We're like, ah, well, what's what's the pro-? you know, yeah. Yes. Somebody who's over 21. Well, what's the problem? Like, well, I'm over 20. I can. No problem. No problem with me. And you ask folks that are, you know, basically having no interest in them whatsoever what's the problem with it? even if they're under 21 or what and they're like yeah no problem and so again there's there's this attenuation with the relationship with what it is that they're seeking to regulate mm-hmm. and i think that the only way and i hope to hope to push the uh the conversation a little in that direction is just to have a massive education effort now mm-hmm. will that be enough yeah i i, I don't know because, you know, not all of us get that Bloomberg money to show up every session. <laughs> well, and I also think it's really about understanding your audience. I mean, we don't, we have, we, you know, TPBF never really weighed in on that issue, although we have done, you know, mm-hmm. stuff on on, gun, on Second Amendment rights before. Didn't really weigh in on that issue. If we if we did, I would really want to understand, um, you know, whether or not, I, I just don't think that the, the constitutional argument is going to carry a lot of weight with people who are scared, you know, people right. who are afraid or seeing the, the uh, you know, people lose their lives, um, um, you know, innocent people lose their lives, and then you come in and say, "Well, but it's my constitutional right." You, you, it's not yeah. wrong. It's just, it's just that's not a convincing argument I for the sixty-six percent, or even maybe, you know, more more for for people who and, feel that way. And, and I and I think that uh, again, you know, when people are scared, they want the gover- the government to step in and help. And of course, I mean, even though in the Uvalde instance, that gentleman was under under that age th- threshold. There is no guarantee that would have stopped the exact same event from happening. Right. And that's what I worry about, too, especially in the Second Amendment issues, is we'll pass these laws and we'll think, okay, this will never happen again. And, and of course, it it won't stop the next one from happening. And so there's this (laughs) false sense of security, which I think we cling to. The incident in Uvalde happened. The federal government passed a massive spending bill in response to it because what what problem exists that the federal government can't throw money at? Mm -hmm. And... Yesterday on the anniversary, Biden was out there saying the rhetoric from the day before it happened to yesterday, completely unchanged. So why are we having the the conversation around nibbling around the edges on restriction rather than dealing with some of the other issues in play? Yep. Okay, moving on from the poll, I want to get to a couple other issues. One thing I wanted to hit to make sure, because it's something we've talked about a lot, is that this week, um, HB 900, which is the bill uh, from Representative Jared Patterson that would would tighten the the process for uh, making sure that that um, materials that are not appropriate for certain ages, making sure that age-appropriate material gets into schools and making sure there's a process for making sure that, you know, sexually explicit material and things like that do not get into the schools. Um, that bill passed the House and then and then this week passed the Senate. Uh, so that one is heading to the governor's office. But I was, you know, th- this is one of the things that I've just been scratching my head at th- this, whole, um, this whole session, and it's finally come to a head here, is that 52 Democrats voted against this bill mm-hmm. right now you've got the contrast of course is that we've got you know we've got bills that require age verification to get on to pornographic websites and and you're getting huge bipartisan majorities mm-hmm. with you know lots of Democrats saying oh absolutely we need to protect kids you know when they're online from accessing from accessing this you know sexually explicit material absolutely 100% but when it comes to that same kind of material in the school library now all of a sudden it's book banning or it's mm-hmm. anti-gay or you know whatever 
whatever excuses. And it's just, I've been scratching my head this whole time, and here we are at the end, and I, you know, I never really thought at the end of the day um, that we would get to it, that we would see this level, you know, the vast majority of, of, of the Democrat Party mm-hmm. opposing the ability to try and restrict and trying to, you know, tighten up this process so that these materials aren't getting into the schools. But, but here we are, 52 Democrats voted no. Yeah, I mean, well, I get it. I'd like to point out this is a nice, simple bipartisan bill. Um, but it, it, uh, <laughs> To their credit, there were a dozen yeah. or so Democrats that obviously got this and did vote for but, it. But again, if you listen to the argument, it's not about... It's not about the substance of the bill. It's about, again, it's about the perceived goring of one of their pieties. And, you know, it, it gets Wait, to... So because it has to do with schools and because it has to do with, you know, oh, oh, with no. teachers and administrators? Because, because that some of the some of this obscene material uh, was, was written by a, a, a woman of color or, you know, because it, it addresses themes uh, relevant to the LGBTQIA plus minus ampersand community. All that stuff is one of the, you know again it's like oh well a member of the a member of the coalition is under assault then we have to show up. The problem is, and as you see with votes like this, is this is what's breaking the coalition. Again, if you had a just center left viewpoint saying like you know what you probably need some workplace protections, maybe loosen a little uh, state law around unionization. You know, raise the minimum wage. All, all this, the, the cookie cutter stuff that people think might be too boring. That would be that would, conservatives would have a lot of trouble on their hands because these are things that, you know, are 55, 45 issues when you get into them. Mm-hmm. The things I mentioned. Yeah. You know, but they're focusing on the stuff that is far more out in the fringe. And, you, you know, you're not going to be blessed with, you know, bad opponents for the, your entire right. life. So I, I, I worry that, you know, folks on our side might get a little weak in, you know, having, again, no intellectual opposition or very weak intellectual opposition on the other side where you have folks just, you know, having to get at the front mic in the house and call everyone racist and impugn their motives and stuff like that because they don't have a leg to stand on on the actual argument. And that's why we're at where we're at. And that's one of the things I wanted to bring up, too, is that it's it's not like they are 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 with you know you look at an issue like this and you say look obviously kids should not have access to sexually explicit material in schools and clearly that even if you think that there's some intellectual benefit to having kids look at this kind of material certainly they shouldn't be doing without their parents knowledge mm-hmm. of it and so that's really what the bill sought uh, sought to remedy um if they thought that the bill was too broad, that it included, you know, Maya Angelou poems, or that it included, you know, um, you know, great works of uh, of literature that would include violent scenes, or even, um, you know, what would be considered uh, sexual scenes or something of a sexual nature, even if it included some of those things, then work with the bill office authors to make sure that it doesn't to go. But that's not what they did. I mean, no. it, they just came out and said, well, this is too broad. But then they offer no solutions. So now they're not on the record as saying, well, we think this is a problem with you. You, yeah. And we're going to help to make sure that yeah. kids don't get this material. Instead, we're just going to vote no. Mm-hmm. And of course, that no vote means that they're supportive of the material being in schools. And of course, the parents not knowing. Can you about believe it. what they did? Click this Act Blue link to fix this right yeah, now. Yeah. Well, then they go ahead and fundraise on <laughs> yeah. it. Of course, uh, to the next thing. So anyway, I wanted to close the loop on that. It, the HB 900 is a great bill, and it is going to the the governor's office uh, or the governor's desk uh, to hopefully be signed there. Um, 
continuing on with the theme of head scratching votes, uh, there was a there was a, and this is actually something I didn't even know was going to come up. I say, is, there sh- is there a limit to how long the show can go? Because that's going to be the theme. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would get through a couple more issues, but I did want to hit this one because it kind of surprised me today. I you know I'd read about it for the first time, but there was a vote in the Senate and the House um, to uh, ensure that only citizens that only citizens can vote in our elections in Texas. Now this again seems like one of those head scratchers, and in fact, in fact, the Senate it was not controversial at all. It passed 29 to 1. There was literally only one person. Democrat who, author. Uh, yeah, Was it? <laughs> or not, not not primary, but a Democrat author on the bill. I, You know, but you have 29, obviously very bipartisan in the Senate. It goes over to the House, and the, the House vote was very strange, mm-hmm. which is why I wanted to highlight it. 88 votes in favor of making sure that only citizens, and this is an amendment to the Constitution, mm-hmm. making sure that only citizens uh, can vote uh, in our elections. It was 88 to 0 with 54 Democrats voting present, not voting. Um, why did they do that? Well, because it takes 100 votes in the Senate and the House in order to uh, in order to pass a constitutional amendment. Um, and so you have this strange situation where they don't want the bill to pass. They don't want it to be uh, amended to our Constitution, but also don't want to be on record mm-hmm. As opposing um, an amendment to the Constitution to ensure that only citizens can vote in Texas. What is going on here? Uh, I think, honestly, I think this is just poor caucus leadership, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. And I think that it's attributable to, if you look at the speech that was laid out by caucus leadership, it was, they, you know, this is already law. We don't need to help anybody doing this. Uh, you know, put a white light on that, and we can kill the, and we can kill the JR, which is which is true. Now, in doing so, though that they cut a primary ad for every single one of the That's um, what I'm looking at. Yeah, every every or every one of the uh, 54 uh the their opponent on that because again, this was a bipart a vastly or a a vastly approved uh bipartisan bill again, Jose Menendez in the Senate, nobody's idea of a rock-ribbed conservative was on the bill and he had a really and he had some really good discussion with some of our folks on this bill over in when it was in the Senate about you know uh, both uh, Melissa Ford and uh, Kareen you know had those From discussions TVPF, yeah. yeah had those discussions about what it meant to come to this country and and to have that and to you know get that to get that the franchise yeah. and to to do it the right way come over here apply for citizenship and be granted and it yeah. was and it was such a and it was just a good bipartisan moment i'm pretty sure we clipped it and distributed it because mm-hmm. senator menendez said some good things on that mm-hmm. the house would rather engage in you know, political stunts and try to again if if we were to take uh, caucus leadership at, at his word and assume that this is already um, in statute and it, it needn't be uh, adjudicated from, then why not take the easy vote? Right. But like, oh, we're going to assert, assert our collective will. And then, well, as you saw on the second reading deadline, when you try to assert your collective will as a group and you are collectively fewer than the other group, <laughs> you want to reduce it to something that tribal well that that uh, that wave comes crashing back. But I just don't even understand how this could possibly be spun as good politics uh, it's for, not. for the Democrats on this. I mean, we talk about it here all the time. Immigration and border security has been the number one issue in Texas for years now. It is a bipartisan issue. Seventy-something percent of people say that there is a crisis at the border. In the last week, we've been talking about Title 42 and people, you know, tens of thousands of people coming over every single day. We essentially have an open border here. I mean... Now you take this vote in the context of all that, of course, people are going to look at that and say, 
we've got all these people streaming into the United States uh, who are who are not citizens, mm-hmm. and you guys are opposing a bill which would only you know which would limit or or to ensure that only citizens can vote. Right. Are, are these two things connected? Well, you know, in people's minds, and say, oh well, you're not only for open borders, but now you're going to allow everybody coming over here to vote in our elections. Mm-hmm. Of course, people are going to make those connections. Well, while you're seeing the while you're seeing the damn break on this, I think that's also illustrative of the fact that what is the center of gravity in the uh, in the Democrat uh, party, the Texas Democrats, is not the same center of gravity as in, in where uh, Democrat money is concerned. You know, if you look at where a lot of the money in the state comes from, you know, if you could reduce it to one particular stereotype, it's, you know, the Terrytown limousine liberal, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, with their gated communities up there and their, you know, friends and allies and aiders and abettors in the, in the media, they have a very different worldview than the folks who actually have to live down on that border. Mm-hmm. And so to have this, you know, again, kind of puritanical view on issues such on, on issues like the border or, you know, on, on the franchise of folks coming over. That completely misses the point of the realities on the ground, and it gets you these incredibly head-scratching votes. Which, to be fair, it did kill the bill, but again, it only kind of it only galvanized uh, House Republicans then to you know inflict similar pain uh, mm-hmm. on the other side, you know, up to and including you know, especially with all the stunts that we're doing with the chubbing, that they actually moved to call the question yeah. on a very important ESG bill. And some of the uh, the border stuff is still up in the air, so we'll talk probably next week about kind of where all that laid out, but I just can't, you know, for the life of me, I just was shocked at this, that they would do a stunt like this uh, to kill a bill that, I, mean, I can't, I, mean, I, have, I have never done any polling on this issue because I think it would be a waste of money because obviously this is going to be a 90, you know, 90-10 issue, if that, um, that people believe that if, you know, that only citizens should be able to vote in our elections. So um, anyway, just kind of a head-scratching thing. Um, last issue I'll talk before we get to the dreaded S-word mm. um, is, and this is something I'm just interested in, uh, in because we've looked at you know school safety issues and things like that. And one of the issues that divides, I think, divides the public, divides maybe even Democrats, certainly divides Republicans, is the issue of, of um, you know, safety personnel in schools with guns. Mm-hmm. So well, I'll just say it like that because some people are talking about training teachers, you know, actual you know teachers that work there, employees of the school, uh, training them so that if they want to, they can actually have guns in schools and, and be prepared. Or the the, the the districts providing safety personnel uh, for uh, to, to be in schools all the times with firearms. Um, and then also... Um, uh, make it, making it mandatory. That's another big issue mm-hmm. is that a lot of times people talk about, well, if you want to have a gun, you can. If you want to get trained up or if you want to provide resources to have ma- uh, people there. The other question is, well, should we make it mandatory? Big divide, it feels mm-hmm. like, between the House and uh, literally right now as we speak, it's a big debate going on on one of the big uh, school safety bills about that issue. Right. And so I wanted to dig into that a little bit because it seems to divide Republicans well, and conservatives a little bit. Well, and you need to have a little bit of the nuance behind it as well, especially on the idea of of the mandate uh, our you know armed security however construed um at every campus the problem is left to their own devices most uh school security setups focus more uh, and, and logically so i think we can say focus more on say high schools right i don't know about you but again i, I went to a not great not a, not a bad high school but not a great high school um so like I, the, the, it makes sense right 
the problem though is then you get you know lack of resources for places like rob elementary at that point mm. now the debate and you mentioned the nuance about the security in schools is one that tends to get lost in the different factions for example if you look at i believe there was a poll put out by uh the texas chapter of aft of the associate the, the teachers unions yeah the teachers unions um they, you know, they were and they celebrated this result saying, oh, this idea is horrible. Look, like 75 percent of our members say this is say is bad. And I go, 25 percent of your members want to do this. <laughs> that's <well>, talk about <laughs> that's burying the, the lead. Yeah, you know? that's the headline. Yeah, A quarter ex- of teachers want guns in schools. Yeah, exactly. And and want the ability to defend themselves. Yeah. And, and look, I'm not here to run their comms or <laughs> I'd lo- love to for a day. But uh, I. That's one of the things I don't understand where if you can say that, look, most you can look at that result and say most teachers don't want this. Fine. There is no proposal that I'm aware of where it is going to deputize by force mm-hmm. every single teacher in a particular school district or on a particular campus. What the ideas that I've seen, much like you were talking about HB3, that it requires that box to be checked However you get there, is it going to be uh, school resource officers, which are officers pulled from uh, county or municipal uh, forces in the area? Is it going to be SBLE? Is it going to be school-based law enforcement? That's where we have the district itself running the police department. Now, we need that's, yeah. a, that's a whole other thing, which uh, should uh, uh, bro- broker some conversation. Well, is it going to be private security classically construed, or is it going to be through the school guardians or marshals program? Mm-hmm. Again, these are all different ways of approaching this, but some of the deliberate lack of nuance tends to be trotted out there either. I don't know if it's a cynical ploy to get more uh, more money in the safety allotment, which is which has been raised, mm-hmm. or if it's sem- simply saying we want X, Y and Z, you know, a lot like the teach oh, the, the Chicago Teachers Union. Uh, they wanted uh, first of the line when the vaccine came out and then they wanted you know, X, Y, Z, and then they had this whole list of things. Only yeah, it was a wish list of union. Ten uh, percent of which might have been education related. Right, exactly. Uh, and then we'll open schools. Yeah, exactly. And then they still fought to keep schools closed. Yeah. But all that to say is, I usually when I when I see a bill of goods, when I, whenever I'm presented anything that that, that are called demands, yeah. or I hear about anybody demanding something, I'm usually like, well, I don't negotiate with terrorists and just well, throw it away. So then, is your I mean, is your feeling then that the issue is not necessarily that there's a divide with amongst conservatives, Republicans right. about having security in schools, but just really the the way to go about I, it? I, I think I think the security in schools component at that thirty thousand foot level is broadly acceptable. It's the it's the how do we get there? Are we the state going to fund or partially fund, you know, private security? Are mm-hmm. we going to liberalize or open up the way that we get guns in school for qualified people, marshals, guardians, whatever? Okay. Or are we going to knock down some of the barriers on on SROs and SBLEs? Mm-hmm. That and that's a, a much deeper discussion. And just for, for for my priors to be on the table, SBLEs I think are a bad a bad alternative. Mostly not because I don't think cops should be in schools, quite the opposite. I think they do. I think that those cops should be part of a larger department that has better access to training, mm-hmm. more uh, of an eye towards interoperability and a more of an eye to crisis response outside of that simple eight, uh, eight certification hours that you have to have on your uh, 
TCOL certification when you, you apply. Yeah, and I'm and I'm probably one of those people that that doesn't really help the de- the debate. I'm not nuanced at all, and you know I'm I'm lobbying. Look, we've got to get we've got to get security personnel. We've got to get. I, I think it should be mandatory. Well, at that level, I completely agree. You know, and I mean, you want more money for schools? This is a good way to get my vote. Um, is to get more security in schools. I think it's crazy. I think it's it's been a soft target for so long, and it's been obvious that that it's a soft target, and that's why it's a target. I mean, there's a reason why these why these crazy people aren't running into banks and trying to shoot a bunch of people is because there's a guy standing there uh, with a gun and, and a number of different places, you know, the courthouses and all these places where they are protected right. by guns. These are not hard targets. They're going to the schools because they know there aren't going to find resistance there. And of course, when we and then and then once they're there, you know, what stops the school shooting from happening? It's the people showing up with guns. And one of three things either happens, either they kill the guy, he kills himself or he scares him off and they run him, you know, or he, at the very least, he has to start uh, he has to start responding to the people who are behind him with the guns and he stops killing the kids mm-hmm. uh, in in um, in the school. And so, look, I, I just think I think for me, it's it's a no brainer. Maybe I'm yeah. not. Um, as, you might think that's not nuanced or ham fisted, but you didn't say anything incorrect. <sighs> yeah. Well, anyway, um, so so I've just you know, this kind of concerns me when I see, you know, um, you know, people that I respect and I'm sure that they have you know really good legitimate reasons for for not wanting this. But I hope I hope we get through this because mm-hmm. I think this is one of the things uh, that, that needs to be needs to be part of those bills anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to get to um, the last thing we want to talk about, of course, is next week and the next month and the next months. Um, and when I think we it's finally safe to say that the worst kept secret um, at the Capitol is that we're pro- that we're going to probably likely be in a special session uh, to handle a couple of big issues, maybe three or four big issues, things like school choice and property tax cuts. Yeah, if you if you look at what the governor said and you squint and you hold it up to the light and you do the Indiana Jones thing where it shines through, you'll, you'll you, can, see. you can almost parse that where he said pass this the way I want or there'll be a special session that he seems to be indicating there might be a special session. All right. So we've, <laughs> we officially said it three times, so it will manifest and we will be in a special session oh, uh, after Monday. Don't put that evil on me, though. Um, the, you know, the interesting thing, I think, for a lot of the insiders is, well, how many? Right. Mm. Like it's not, you know, they're, they're probably not the case that we're going to have one big special session, you know, sometime in the summer where we handle all these issues, the grid right. and all this kind of stuff. Well, um, it's probably going to happen in multiple sessions. Right. Right. Yeah, and I mean, again, I don't, we don't want to go into the, the procedural rabbit hole here. And, and, and I, I would... I that's will, what we do here, Dave. That's true. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I will I will say I am cautiously optimistic on the, the property tax side. I, I think that some of the signs that we've been seeing lately, again, alert the Kremlinologists, let's divine the goat entrails. Um, you know, get some Snake astrologers in here. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I think, they're, I think they're closer than not on something that can go. Now, that being said, what's that going to look like? I guess we'll see. But I, I think we can say at this point that parental empowerment's not going to happen during a regular session. Again, because uh, Chairman Buckley even said, look, the governor, you know, this is this is what we have. The governor said it's not good enough. <laughs> why, why am I going to put people up for bad votes? And of course, my... You know, it's it's great to be a maximalist in that area because I can just be like, oh, make them walk the plank as many times as they want. Yeah, but- I mean, even if you get something, you do the yeoman's work to get something out. You know, the governor's going to veto. We'll be back in a special session yeah. no matter what. And and so I, I do think that that is going to be the issue. You, it's, you mentioned that you mentioned school uh, choice and the grid. I think those will be two big things, and, I, and I'll tell you why. Obviously. I said I said it as a joke, but the governor did say if you do not produce a parental empowerment plan up to a certain snuff, you're, you're coming back. And I think that he's proven at this point that he is not going to take thin gruel on that. Mm-hmm. And so that you will that you will most uh, assuredly see. Now, what's that going to look like? Well, when you 
when you have a special session, obviously you only have 30 days to get everything done. All the timelines are radically dialed back. So you can um, only call a special session for 30 days? Mm-hmm. Okay. It can, be, right. it can be far, far shorter. Important point. Um, and when I say far shorter, they, a special session lasts no more than 30 days. Right. And they basically, you know, as, as short as it is, depends on when they get, you know, some of them have been, all, uh, many of them go all 30 days, some are like 28, 29, you know, just kind of uh, where it falls. So uh, There's been one that was an hour before. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, they didn't get much accomplished. Um, that was back in the 30s. <laughs> You're all here. Now go yeah. home. <laughs> yeah, back in the 30s, before it was that easy to get here, right? So anyway, um, all, all that said is they can only work on what the governor puts on that call. Mm-hmm. So it is going to laser focus. Now, now again, I don't think but by any imagination that he would waste his own time, let alone the time of the legislature, by having a single item call. I think that he would put other items on there. Though, who knows? Maybe he would have a single a single item call if he wanted to make sure that that is the only thing being dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you are going to see that. You are going to see school choice. And you are going to see that renewed laser focus. And then, you know, hopefully he'll also be looking at some of the votes that are going on mm-hmm. and some of the folks who might need encouragement in one way or another. Um, I'd also say the grid, though, the grid, much like school choice, the ideas on how to the ideas on how to fix it are there's not there's not a lot of intercameral uh, consensus on that. Mm-hmm. And the Senate has put some uh, good stuff out and the House to their credit, even when seeking uh, a corporate welfare bill, have excluded some of the stuff that have led to some very uh, problematic uh, issues with our grid prior, specifically that on non-dispatchable um, uh, energy You can sources. just say wind and solar. Yeah. Well, well, you know, <laughs> geothermal. You know, so, but no, all that, all that to say is they definitely have, you know, different approaches to that. I think they're farther apart on that than it is on property tax. Now, don't get me wrong. Property taxes are a serious issue. Everyone's feeling the pain, and that tends to have percolated to the top. The grid, that is going to be something where if it is not substantially fixed, not only will everyone feel the pain, I think that they're, you know, just with the long shadow from the freeze from 21, Mm -hmm. I think you're going to see, um, you're going to see political futures yeah back to our, our poll even in that ut uh, tyler poll the the state is still split mm-hmm. almost 50 50 on whether or not they feel like the legislature has done enough uh, to fix the grid or whether or not we'll see you know some more blackouts we've got puc you know and, uh, putting out warnings and things like that so the, the grid is such a complex policy realm i would say not even an issue but a realm mm-hmm. that i the the average respondent on a poll unless they had something to do with uh, the way we actually have a completely decentralized non-capacity market, that I, I, their opinion yeah. is simply just that. And while we have literally just like 60 seconds left, I am interested in, you know, a lot of people think about, you know, who are not avid watchers like we are work into it and say, you know, why are we waiting three months? Why are we, you know, they talk about having a September special, you know, for, for this issue or that. Why don't we just pull them back in? They're already here. Get it done. Stay here for 30 more days until we get it done. What would be the reason why you would want to want to push it out? Well, that, I, I know Perry did that a couple of times, you know, the, the see you tomorrow, the famous see you tomorrow uh, message. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think it is for especially the issues that we're talking about. 
I don't necessarily think that giving some time to decompress to cool down is bad. Not because, you know, they, the lawmakers uh, deserve a vacation, even though they have been working mm-hmm. uh, at least for the last you know month and a half or so very, very hard. Um, but I think that especially with these issues where there is still some distance between a consensus, both between the chambers, the different caucuses themselves and you know other stakeholders, I think that in earnest, that is what can be developed in that intervening time. Yeah. You know, what is a uh, a broad, acceptable school choice package that'll satisfy the governor and then 75 uh, uh, or 76 members of the House? What does that look like? Yeah. What does the uh, grid option that does not leave, uh, te- you know, does not leave Texas in the lurch? What does that look like? And so developing that consensus is then the project for that intervening right. time period. Right. So, you know, in addition to cool down, also a time to kind of step back and say, okay, if we want it, we're going to have to come to some kind of agreement on this. Let's get done with the session and, and just focus on this. Also, you know, as you mentioned, the vast majority of members don't, you know, live around here. And so they have to go, they've been away from their families for four months. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether or not they're going on vacation, you know, they still need to, you know, attend to the, you know, yard and fit, you know, clean out the garage and do some things they haven't done uh, for the last few you, uh, months and, uh, and try, try using that, that on my HOA. Like, oh, I'm, I'm going to mow the lawn in July. It'll yeah, I'll tell you, it's going to take four. <laughs> you know, work is busy. I've got to go back. Um, all right. Uh, well, we have definitely gone over time, but there was a lot to talk about in the last week. Um, uh, we will be here, uh, of course, next week talking about kind of wrap up. Um, again, we want to pitch our event at TPPF on Wednesday. Our CEO and Derek and others will be uh, talking about kind of what what the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the dead, and all of that other stuff that we talk about here. Uh, it'll be a big wrap up on Wednesday. We'd love to have you uh, either come and join us here at TPPF or you can watch it online as well. Get those details at TexasPolicy.com. So again, as always, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. As I always like to say, do good and risk the consequences. And we'll see you next time.